I'm not a great movie watcher, uh, and I often forget right away whatever happened in a movie, but there's exactly one line from a movie called As Good As It Gets that I do remember, uh, and I've only seen the movie once. I imagine it's the one line that uh, many men who've seen the film uh, will be likely to remember. Jack Nicholson plays a cranky man who eats at a certain diner every day, and when I say that he's cranky, I'm making something of an understatement. He's about as repulsive a character as you can imagine. He makes a point of insulting all of the customers who come in. Uh, you can imagine the wait staff is not very pleased to have this guy there every day. But there's one waitress who's played by Helen Hunt, and somehow she manages to respond to Nicholson's character with kindness and humor. And no matter how rotten he tries to be, she won't take the bait. And no one else has treated this sad man with this kind of kindness. And he finds himself looking forward to seeing her every day. He starts to change in small ways. He even becomes, very slightly, less awful. The crucial scene comes when he manages to take uh, this waitress out for dinner. And he looks across the table at her and says, You make me want to be a better man. And it's an example of the power that kindness and compassion can exercise. Uh, he recognizes that there's something lacking in him, and he sees the possibility of becoming someone different. It's true of any of the virtues, in fact. One reason we like to tell stories about heroism in battle is that hearing these stories makes us want to be braver. We want to be more valiant and steadfast in the midst of danger and struggle. Christians, for their part, have loved telling stories about the saints. But here I want to make a distinction. The saints are not merely examples of good morals. They are that, and we can learn a lot about courage and perseverance and kindness from reading the lives of the saints. And we can want to be better persons as a result. But the saints are not simply those who exercised heroic virtue. They are those whose baptisms have so transformed them that they no longer live their own lives, but Christ is manifestly alive in them. And so we heard in the second reading today, uh, we don't know what we're going to be like. We're going to be changed. And we see this change already taking place in the lives of the saints. So it's not only a moral model that we should want to imitate, but it's a symbol, it's a sign of the mystery of the kingdom coming into being now in our midst, because these were people who walked the earth with us. And this is why miracles are so important in the canonization process. The saint is someone whose very life has become a conduit for the flow of grace into the world, a kind of sacrament for the world, a channel of the Holy Spirit's power to transform, to reveal beneath the visible world invisible spiritual realities that are being uh, broken open for us. And so in this way, they not only want to make us a better version of who we already are, but to be transformed by this grace, become someone else. Their communion with us removes those spiritual blockages that prevent that from taking place. When St. Augustine read the life of St. Antony the Great, he recognized his own failures. Yes, he recognized his moral shortcomings, and he wanted to be a better person. He regretted bitterly his previous unwillingness. But the change that took place in Augustine wasn't primarily by him trying hard to imitate Antony. Rather, there was something that broke in him. There was something that snapped because he met Antony 
He knew this man. He saw himself in this man. He saw a friend. Augustine had this great capacity for friendship, and he wanted this great man to be his friend. And suddenly, the spout of grace began to flow in Augustine, and tears flowed from his eyes. I've been asked by some vocation candidates over the years, uh, who are the famous Benedictine saints? And I'm not the least bit ashamed to admit that we don't celebrate the lives of many named Benedictines. One important reason for this is that during the great Benedictine centuries of the Church, the saints who were really remembered were the martyrs. Uh, and this was a time generally of peace. There weren't lots of martyr Benedictines in the 12th century. So the everyday sanctity of the humble men and women in the cloister simply was allowed to proceed anonymously. But this doesn't mean that this sanctity can no longer be accessed because these anonymous persons are saints. They're in communion with us. We share in the body of Christ with them. And so every time we monks enter the choir or put on an apron to serve at table or quietly practice our Lectio Divina or quietly work in support of the community, we have the opportunity to be in communion, to be a part of this life that's breaking into the world, uh, to access this cloud of witness, cloud of witnesses, to bring it to mind. All of these saints who are yearning to befriend us. They're not here to scold us for our failings, uh, though their holiness does tend to make us aware of our shortcomings. That does happen. But through this sharing of life with them, the life that is Christ, we have access to this river of grace that flows down the center of the heavenly Jerusalem, healing all that step into its waters. All we need to do is allow ourselves to become more and more aware of this communion and to be uh, allow God to work in us, to let the saints befriend us, to love the saints, to invite them into our hearts and into our homes, to introduce them to all we meet.